natural way, we do not have payment thanks to one another. Thank you for the reason to keep paying thanks to one another. So here's a really simple challenge for us this week. Pray thanks to your brothers and sisters in the church. Pray thanks that they know God, they, they, they know that they are God's children. Pray thanks that they could not grasp their truths and that they can support him. And they grasp what God has done in their lives, how he's brought them from darkness into light. And as he set their feet in their pains of sin, that they want to see them in the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise thanks for the way we are the church that is loved from one another, and how we sacrifice and give of ourselves to each other. That is a great thing to be saying to one another. One of my notes, take a moment to think of a couple of notes in the church that you know, and drop them down on your phone, perhaps in your notebook, just drop those two minutes down. Pray for those people throughout the week. Take five minutes a day and pray thanks to those people. Now, let me ask you this. Let's come back to the church in Ephesus. Given what you've just heard about what this church is like, how would you go on to pray for them? What would you pray for them? Let's look at this. This church, they, they seem really honored. They're protecting faith. They're living it out. They've got a great reputation in Ephesus. And they're like, oh, it's a big church. These guys are really honored. What do you think you could want to pray for? See, if you were me, I'm thinking this is a great opportunity. Let's get the whole church great. Let's pray that they can buy the, the church building. They, they can buy land, they can build it, and go, that's awesome. And then they can go and plant churches, they can evangelize and disciple people. That would be awesome. Lots of great stuff we could be praying for. But look at what Paul prays for here. Verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know Him better. And that you pray for the church that they would know God better. But take a step back. That surprises me a bit because even the church we just read, it sounds like they know God pretty well. They're living according to His command. It seems like they're living according to their faith in Jesus. So why does Paul pray that they would know God better? Then I have to step back and explain. Do you really ever think you know God in this? There's a phrase in um, Korean culture. I've heard it always before too. Um, I don't know if this is just a bit of a problem. You can see that's not right. It's a lot of conversation. But as a teenager, you know, it's something I've been doing with parents. Those things are important, sure. Pray for them when you need to. But this is my main prayer to 
really grow faster. That's what I'm saying. I'm praying that you would cross a greater vision of God in verses 3 to 14 in his throne He wants our hearts and our minds to be filled with his top down and his spirit. And I think this is right. I bet you and the image of God gets bigger and bigger as you know God better. Then this is going to fuel everything else you want to be praying for. All the other stuff that I was talking about. If you have that picture in your mind, of course you want to go and you want to go and tell people about it. You've got it. Oh, 
you become a Christian, your hope is no longer in things of this world, but in one thing, one person again. It's in the creator of the universe, in God Himself. He's the one who made everything, He's the one who's all of everything. Do you realize you just sit in here at the moment? He's allowing you to be breathing and sitting here, listening. God and God. So when God says to you, I've forgiven you, then you know you've been forgiven. When God says to you, I've called you to be my child, and you know you've been called to be his child, you can be confident in that because it's contingent on one thing, his work, on him and his work and his punishment and nothing else. That's the difference. It's a Christian thing. What sort of riches do you say to them? Verse 18 goes on. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. His holy riches, not in stuff of this world, not in monetary, monetary things that will perish, fall, and perish. Not in things where rust, moss, and thieves can destroy. No, he's riches in God's inheritance. And have a think about this. This works in two different ways. Paul is praying that you realize that you are God's inheritance. That actually God's desire, part of his glory, is to have his people there with him, sitting at his table. God says, and he delights to say, I've inherited you into my kingdom. I've inherited you into my kingdom. It's not that we've gained access to heaven. It's actually that God invited us to his table. So we see God in his glory. He's not going to delight in having property you have and a portfolio. And then how stuff you get you. It's not like a game of monopoly. He's going to be delighted that you are there with him as his child. That he has inherited you. All his wealth and treasures back home. And what does he try to do? He wants help. He helps him and says, You know what? I'm just glad you are home. Don't care about this, but I'm just glad you're here with me. And you flip it around the other way. What do we inherit as his children? We inherit good as his father and his son and his kingdom. No riches in this world can compare with that. What's the third thing? Verse 19 goes on. And his incomparably great power for us to believe. If the Christian life begins in hope and ends in riches, then here comes a power that makes everything happen. Now I know at the moment in our culture, power, this term is extremely loaded. And before you start to realize that power is unavoidable as human beings in a very relatable way, we've seen a, a little bit of that in the way we use our words to one another. But it can happen even in the way we look and address one another. Some of us will be sitting in positions in society where we will have more power than other people. And we know that power in the right hand can be a great thing. But the power of a president who goes to abolish slavery. Or the power of a counselor who goes to stop an abuser and help those who are abused. And that's a wonderful thing. But safety is to say there will be plenty of safety in the last couple of years. And one question more of any of but it's been power abused with devastation. And here's where God's power is so different. Firstly, it's incomparable, it's just great. Nothing and nobody can come close to it. If we had a Star Wars or Avengers or whatever kind of superhero movie like that, that's not a power struggle, but not quite sure. 
know that God is all powerful, that He has rescued us from the grave, from the clutches of sin. And when Jesus said that He was finished, He was finished in Jesus. So here's a second challenge for us, for our prayer to speak. Will we pray this prayer that Paul prayed for one another? Will we pray that we would grow to know God's better? To have this top down perspective where we see God in His full glory, where we find assurance of the hope, the certain hope that He's promised us. Where we can look forward to the victory, where we can fully trust in God's power to keep us until that day, just as we've seen in the life and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Your word, you give us prayer and help us in our own prayer. 